um, we were, we've been talking a little bit today, and we're going to continue to talk a little bit about this particular church. I want to remind us, as, as Pastor Ricky read for us, Acts 2, 42 through 47, we're going to revisit that in a minute, but um, talking about the church, and then we, we kind of turned and, and talked to somebody about how has God blessed us by being a part of Grace Fellowship. Let me be just abundantly clear about that whole thing. The idea of that is not so that we could say, boy, this is a great church. The idea is so that we could recognize, boy, he is a great God. Amen. He is an awesome God. And there's a ton of great churches where God is doing great things through the people who are in those churches. And I'm just really thankful that he put us in the best church. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I joined the church in September of 1979. Not this church, the church, the body of Christ. September 1979, the Lord was working in my life and doing some things and pulling at my heart, and I finally said, okay, Lord, I am done doing things my way. I'm going to let you run my life. I'm going to accept your free gift of salvation. I fell on my knees before God, asked him to come into my heart and change my life, and he has been in the process of changing my life ever since. Next month will be the 40th anniversary of my rebirth, um, and I praise God for that. Um, I joined this church in the summer of 1989, 30 years ago, um, and uh, the church had been planted in 1987, and it was about a year and a half old when Christy and I, before we had any kids, just sort of went to visit this church that was in our community, and um, they haven't been able to get rid of us ever since. That's been 30 years I joined the pastoral staff of this church October 1st of 1989, and January 1st of 1992, I became the senior pastor of this church. Um, and when we were talking and turning to our neighbors and saying, hey, how has this church blessed you? I heard, you know, everyone pretty much said the same thing, the senior pastor. <laughs> but I couldn't say that, right? So... I was like, gosh, what do I say? And <laughs> and you know what I said? Uh, I raised my kids in this church. So 30 years ago, we came, and, uh, and my kids are all now grown, and they all love Jesus, and they all love church. Like... Praise God, and that's thanks to what God has done through people like you guys, and I'm thankful for it. Um, my marriage has been strengthened as a result of being a part of this church. My, my faith has been deepened as a result of being a part of this church. My deepest friendships are in this church and have been in this church for decades um, and after 30 years as a part of this church family, I have to say that God has used this church to bless my life in every way imaginable, and that those blessings have been beyond my wildest dreams. Now, I'm looking at some of you, and you're looking at me with a strange look like this is beginning to sound like a resignation speech. <laughs> it's not. This is a celebration... <laughs> Oh, come on. This is not that. This is a celebration speech. This is a time to celebrate what God is doing. Um, if you haven't been able to get rid of me for 30 years, don't, don't hold your breath. Um, but this is about celebrating what God is doing. We serve a life-changing God, amen? And... and he has been kind enough to make us a part of a life-changing church. Raise your hand if God has somehow used this church to change your life for the better. Just raise your hand. Yeah, it's incredible. I think we should thank him for that. And I want us to think of today's service kind of like driving a car. Um, as you get in your car, drive your car, uh, there is in front of you, hopefully, a rearview mirror, 
right? It's about this wide, about this tall. And it's really helpful. Some of you need to know this when you're backing up. It's very <laughs> helpful to use the rearview mirror. It's there for a reason. It is a good thing to look where you've been sometimes, right? But have you noticed that your windshield is about 50 times as big as your rearview mirror? I, I, think, I think there's a lesson in that for us. We are supposed to be looking forward. And I think one of the things that trips us up in life sometimes is that either we get stuck looking in the rearview mirror and wondering how come we're not going anywhere and all we're doing is just bogged down in what's behind us, or we uh, are, are just sort of sitting in the car looking through the windshield, but not with the idea that we're headed anywhere. And it is a huge mistake, Christian, for you to be in a place where your life is sort of in neutral, your life is sort of on hold, and you're not so sure that you're going anywhere, you're just trying to tread water, you're just trying to stay alive. That's not what Jesus meant when he said, I came that you might have life and that more abundantly. What he meant was that he has a plan for your life. And you might be right now today in the center of where he wants you to be. You might right now in your life be in the center of God's will for your life. But let me tell you something. Tomorrow is a different day. We're supposed to be moving somewhere. The Christian life, if it's about anything, it's about growing up. If it's about anything, it's about going and becoming who God has in mind for us to be. So wherever you are in this sort of spiritual journey of life, whether, whether you're right now just sort of going, look, I'm not so sure about this whole Jesus thing in the first place. I'm just sort of checking this out. I'm not so sure. Or maybe I have other religious convictions. Or maybe you're just a new in the faith and you're sort of getting your feet wet and trying to figure out what Christianity is gonna look like for you. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And, and you're sitting there sort of going, boy, I feel like I've seen it all, I've done it all. I have news for you. Wherever you are in this journey, God has something better for you tomorrow than you could ever imagine. And, and we as individuals and we as a church have to be thinking that way. Now, I want to take us back to the passage that we read earlier, which was in the book of Acts. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 2. And uh, typically, uh, if you're new around here, you should know that typically now we would dive into the Word of God and we would be tearing apart this passage and learning from Scripture. Today, what we're going to do is just sort of use it as a jumping off point. This is an unusual thing for us, but I want us to get some context for what it is that we're talking about. We're in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And to give you some context and some understanding, it's not long since Jesus has ascended into heaven. The church has just been born. The Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost here in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to get an idea as Luke, the author of Acts, begins to sort of sum things up about what was going on in those early days. And here's how he sums it up. Acts 2.42, they were continually, they meaning the Christians, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, which we call the Word of God, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. <clears throat> and we don't have time to study this passage this morning, but I want to point out two things that I don't want you to miss here. Uh, the first is I want you to look at the amazing level of fellowship that they were experiencing in the local church at that time. And just to be clear, when we use the word fellowship, we, I always do this, it's, it's a, a weaving together of our lives. Fellowship is not just I shook your hand in the church foyer and told you my name and you told me yours. Fellowship is not, is not just what we're gonna do in a few minutes if your stomachs are already grumbling and we're gonna head out and have this meal together. 
Fellowship is much deeper than that. Fellowship is what's being described here. If you look again at uh, verse 44, look what it says. Look at these words. All those who had believed, all of those who had believed, not just of a certain age group, not just of a certain race, not just the ones who spoke a certain language, not just the ones who were of the same socioeconomic standing. If you go back and read the beginning of Acts, you're gonna find that these people who constituted the church right at the beginning, they actually were mostly outsiders who had come to Jerusalem for the feast And the Holy Spirit fell at that time upon the church and 3,000 people were swept into the church in faith that day. And so they spoke different languages. That's the whole reason that they had the gift of tongues there in Acts chapter two is so that everyone could hear the gospel in their own language. They were from different places. They had different skin tones. They had different last names. They had different uh, um, nationalities. They had different perspectives. And yet they were all together, it says, in one place, all those who believed, and they had all things in common. Isn't that amazing? I just gave you 10 things that they didn't have in common. And yet the way that God describes it is that when you have Jesus Christ in common, you have all things in common. He he overcomes all those other things. They all become secondary. They all become less important. It's not about your political affiliation. It's not about your race. It's not about your age. It's not about any of those kind of things. It's about the fact that the same Holy Spirit that lives in me is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. And when God calls us together in a local church, he makes us a family and he says we're all part of the same body. And so they had everything in common, and it goes on and says, they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Don't worry, we're not launching that program today, okay? (laughs) Day by day, continuing with one mind, all these people with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. There is this picture of the early church that says, man, if they were anything, they were interdependent. Dependent on the Holy Spirit and interdependent with one another. Their lives were woven together. Second big thing I want you to notice here is I want you to look at the impact that God was having through them on the outsiders that were around them, okay? The church at this time was just 3,000 people, and as you turn the next couple pages, like 5,000 more get added here and a couple thousand. I mean, the church is exploding at unbelievable rates, but there's still 3,000 people in a giant city. They're dwarfed by those who are outside of the church, right? The church is this brand new sect, if you will, and, and look what it says in verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. The, the people who were not a part of the body of Christ were in favor of the body of Christ. They found favor with the outsiders. Now think about that. And think about the reputation of the Christian church in America today. They found favor with those who weren't like them. They found favor with those who who were not affiliated with them. Their ministry was such that they didn't just look inside and take care of one another, but they looked outside and took care of the people that were out there. I saw a thing on social media, a lot of this going around. There was a a guy holding a sign, and and I'm going to paraphrase, but basically it said, you know, forget your politics, forget your race, forget your religion, forget your language, forget your skin color, and love your neighbor. The church is called to love people. And Jesus said they would recognize us as his followers because we love people. And so they were loving the people outside. The Jews, the Romans, all of the people around them were impacted. And the result of that was that every single day, more people were being saved. The Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. It is amazing what God can do to change the world through a church that is serious about loving God and loving people. It's amazing. The effects of what God was doing through that early church in Jerusalem 
are still being felt around the world today, 2,000 years later. And I'm here to tell you that at Grace Fellowship, we are not just called to look back on the glory days of the good old days in the church. And we're not even here to try to find ways to repeat what the early church did because their context was completely different than ours. But we are here to continue being the church that God planted 2,000 years ago. We're not a different church. We're a continuation of this church. This is who we are. The same spiritual blood that flowed through the veins of that church is the spiritual blood that flows through our veins. The same Holy Spirit that turned the world upside down through these people is the same Holy Spirit that you take with you to work on Monday mornings if you're a believer. It's, it's the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that filled that church with people who were willing and able to get out there and actually change lives instead of just sitting back and wagging their finger at those who were different. That same Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that is in our church today. We're the same church. And by the way, the same great commission that they were given to go into the world and make disciples of all nations is the same great commission that we've been given. And the impact that that early church had in the first century and beyond was not because Peter and the boys were so impressive. It's because God is so impressive. It's because God is still able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or even think. And he is not finished yet. In the exact same way that Peter and Paul and Priscilla and Aquila and Timothy and Titus and all of these people that we read about in the book of Acts in the very same way that they were called of God, in the very same way that they're empowered of God, in the very same way that they're armed with the word of God, in the very same way that they're filled with the spirit of God, the same is true for every one of us who is a child of God today. Nothing has changed except the impact except the, the world-changing way that the church was shining in the darkness. Now, don't get me wrong. We've already been talking today about what an amazing blessing it is to be a part of this church and the many great churches that are around that God is working through. I am not somebody who is down on the church. I am not somebody who is mad at the church. I'm not somebody who feels like kicking the church. But at the same time, I want to be really honest and say that while the church is the light of the world... Darkness is growing in our culture. And if that's true, we need to sit back and stop and ask why. And we need to look at ourselves because it's the same Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts um, has 28 chapters. Our men's group just finished studying it on Saturday mornings. 28 chapters. And you close the book on Acts after chapter 28 and you go, it just ends really abruptly. There's, just, there's no wrapping things up. There, it's just like there's a sentence and a period and it's over. And, and you go, huh, I wonder what happened. You don't get to hear about the rest of Paul's life. You don't get to hear about the rest of Peter's life. None of that stuff is recorded for us in Acts. We're just sort of shrugging our shoulders going, huh. It's like you just stopped writing for no reason. And I've always thought, every time I come to the end of the book of Acts and I close that book, I always stop and think, that's because we are the 29th chapter of Acts. We're the 29th chapter. We are living in Acts chapter 29 today. And if we can get that straight and realize that what God began then, he is continuing today, it would change the way that we walk and the way that we live. Because God is still working with all the power and all the wisdom and all the might that he was working with then. And God still loves to use those who don't amount to much in the world's value system, just like he did then. And he's still inviting us to journey with him the way he was inviting them to journey with him 2,000 years ago. So I thought it might be good for us to stop and look through the windshield as a church today a little bit and get a better view of some of the things that God is calling us to do moving forward in this journey. I want to read to you a verse. You don't have to look it up. I think I've got it for you on the screen. It's Proverbs uh, chapter 29. And in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, let me just read to you 
Those words, you're probably already looking at them and I'm still looking for them. Chapter 29, verse 18, here's what it says. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Now, if, like me, you kind of grew up hearing the King James Version, this is an often quoted verse, and what it says in the King James is, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? Which, like a lot of um, words in some Bible translations, is an unfortunate translation. To the, the word literally means to be unrestrained, and here's how it was used. In those days, uh, as you know, in that culture, uh, a woman's head would always be covered. Her hair would always be gathered up on her head and pulled up into some sort of a, a bun or something, and then there would be this thing that tied it and held it and covered her head a scarf. And when you took that off and her hair blew in the wind, that was this, this word unrestrained. To, to remove the restraint. It would just be wildly flying in every direction. Just picture my hair. <laughs> and, and imagine what happened to it. <laughs> it was unrestrained. This flew off in every direction. One day I woke up and went, ah! But, but that's, picture the, uh, a long-haired woman on the back of a motorcycle, the hair blowing in every direction, that's what it means. Where there is no vision, things go in every direction. And it ends up a tremendous mess. That's the idea. So one of the things God does through his word and his Holy Spirit is to inspire within his church united vision. So that we have the same vision so that we're rowing in the same direction. We can all be devoted to the same things. Like it said in Acts, and they were all with one mind and they were all devoted to this and to this and to this and to this. They were all devoted to the same things. And a church has to have this united vision. And here's the challenge with this. We don't get to put together a, a group of people for a meeting and a focus group and brainstorm and write down some things and decide what the vision of our church is. Because it's not our church. It's his church. So we have to get our vision from God. And that means it's a little more complicated. That means we have to study his word and what he has told us are his priorities, his values, and his vision. And we have to, we have to weave that into the life of this church. It means that the, the spirit-filled leaders of this church have to get together and pray and seek God and try to understand what it is that he's saying specifically about this church. Because while God has a mission for the whole church, um, wherever you happen to be in a local church, God has a mission for the whole church but he has specific vision for individual churches. And we need to understand how to, how to get his vision and begin to implement that vision in this church. So today I wanna give you a glimpse of what God has been revealing through his word and his spirit to the leaders of this church about vision as we head into the fall. And it's really a good time to do this because typically you say, oh, you know, January, we always do a thing in January. We look at Philippians chapter one and we talk about where God's gonna take us in that year. Uh, January is a great time to do that. But for our church, the fall is really the launch time for everything, every year. The fall is the time where we come out of summer and we, we begin new things, we put things in place, and things begin to take off. So with that in mind, I want us to be thinking a little bit because it begins with the Great Commission. Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. And let me just read it to you if it's unfamiliar to you. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18. This is what Jesus thought should be his famous last words. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Your great commission, Christians, he says, is that you are to multiply yourselves spiritually. We are to make disciples, and it doesn't say make converts. It says make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is one who follows a teacher with an eye toward becoming like his teacher. A disciple is one who is becoming like his master. 
That's the idea. Back in, in Jesus' day in Israel, they had rabbis who would have followers. And those followers as a group were known as his Talmudim. The rabbi would have a Talmudim, maybe 5, 10, 15 young men who would be sort of like his traveling class. And wherever he went, they went. And whenever uh, he wanted to stop and teach them, they would sit down and he would teach them. And their whole goal was to learn everything that he knew and get to know God the way he knew God so they could become more like him. And there was a saying in in those days, it was very popular. It was a blessing that you would give to someone and you would say, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. That is to say, may you walk so closely behind your rabbi that his dust is constantly kicked up upon you. The idea was that they would become like their master. When it says that we're to make disciples, it doesn't just mean we got to get people to sign up. It doesn't just mean we're trying to build a really big church with a lot of people on the membership roll. It doesn't just mean that we want people who will raise their hand and come forward at a, at a harvest crusade or something like that, as valuable as that is. It means that we are to be building into people in such a way that we are becoming more like Christ and they are becoming more like Christ and we're teaching them to help others to become more like Christ. It's supposed to be this ongoing cycle. That's what he's described for us. And by the way, it works. That's why there's a church 2,000 years after Jesus spoke these words. So with that in mind, we're called to make disciples. And let me talk to you about some of the ways that God's leading us to do that at Grace Fellowship. Um, the first, I want to give you kind of a word picture. I want to give you a metaphor, if you will. Picture that um, spiritual growth is kind of like a train track, right? You have these two rails and it's going in that direction. And if you look and you can see where it just kind of there's a vanishing point where it disappears way at the horizon and it's going in that direction. And this direction is towards spiritual maturity. Sorry to those of you on this side. Um, this is the spiritually mature side over here, okay? So the idea is to get from over here to over there, right? And you thought you got the good seats. So... The idea is that we're moving on this sort of train towards spiritual maturity. Now, here's the thing. If we could look around this room and know everybody's story, we're all in a different place spiritually. As I said earlier, some of us are just investigating the claims of Christ at this point, haven't even come into a saving relationship with him. Others of you maybe have been walking with Jesus for there are people in this room who I just look up to and respect so much because they've been walking with Jesus faithfully so much longer than I have. And they have been through stuff and learned things and gained wisdom and grown in areas that I only dream of growing in someday. Some of you are so far ahead on this track than others. That's not the point. The point is you're supposed to be getting on a train that is moving you in the right direction. And as a church, we need to be better about building train stations in all kinds of spots so that people can get on the train wherever they are. We need to be able to make that accessible. When they put in the gold line here, have you, have you ever ridden the gold line, right? When they put this in, it was this huge thing. It took the longest time on all of these meetings and arguments and budget talks to figure out where are we going to put the stations, because the goal was to stop traffic for as long as possible when the trains. <laughs> That's how it seems sometimes. But, but the idea is to get the station in a place where the most people can access it. You got to build a parking garage so there's a place for them to put their cars. You have to get the word out about where the stations are. But the idea is accessibility. We need to be making spiritual growth accessible to everybody, wherever you're at. If, if you've been a pastor for 50 years and you've been walking with Jesus your whole life, you are not done growing. We need a station you can get on, right? And where, so wherever you are in this process, you need to be able to be on a train that is moving you towards spiritual maturity in the right direction. And so one of the things we're doing in order to make this possible is we're, we're launching a ministry called Next Steps. 
And the Next Steps ministry basically is a process in which everyone in our church has the opportunity to get some basic training in what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that wherever you are, there will be some basics that are covered for you. Um, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to be a member of this particular church family. Um, and what we've decided to do is we're gonna take every quarter, we're gonna take one month out of the quarter and we're gonna dedicate Sunday evenings for that month to this next steps process because I want every single one of you to get through it, okay? And what we're gonna do is we're gonna have meetings on Sunday evenings, Sunday afternoons, whatever, when, and I realize that doesn't work for everybody, so sometimes we'll change it and we'll do it on a Monday night or a Saturday or whatever, but we're gonna try to make it as accessible as possible so that things like a clear gospel presentation will be made so that everyone understands what the actual biblical gospel is because there is a bunch of false teaching out there and a lot of us have been inundated with it and didn't even know it. Um, we want to make sure people understand what the church is all about. What does it mean to be in the church? And then specifically, what is Grace Fellowship all about? We want to be able to make sure that people know the story of this church, what God has been doing. What is our mission? What is our vision? What are our values? What are the things that God is taking us toward? We want to give people tools for spiritual growth. We talk about things like you need to have quiet time, spend time alone with God. And a lot of people have no idea what to do. We want to help them do that. We want to get people into relationships where they can start to um, help one another grow. We want to help people understand baptism. We want to understand, help people understand what church membership is about, how to be involved in ministry. What does that do? So we're going to put all that together in this next step, and we're going to offer it for a month every quarter so that whenever you come into the church, you will have the opportunity to be a part of it or Let's say we offer it, we're gonna start in October. We offer it in October and you're not available to come to it then, don't worry, it's coming back around in January. We will do it again. And if you can't make it, we'll do it maybe on another night in April. But we're gonna do it every three months so that everybody has a chance. So if you're sitting here going, oh, I've been a Christian a long time. Oh, I've been in this church for 20 years. Oh, I'm an elder. Doesn't matter, you're coming. Get on the train. We want to make sure everybody is on that train. You're going to be hearing more about that soon. There's going to be more opportunities for focused discipleship training, um, seminars, classes, discipleship relationships where people meet together without needing any permission from the church, without needing anyone to tell them what to do. Get together, talk about the Word of God, pray for one another, build relationships with one another. So keep your eyes and ears open for those opportunities. Because here's the thing, and, and you'll hear this around here a lot at Grace Fellowship, all ministry is about relationships. All of it. That was the model that Jesus gave us. And one of the best ways we know of to build genuine, healthy, growing Christian relationships is through what we call grace groups. That's why in your bulletin today you got one of these sheets that says grace groups, um, that is so you can fill this out. Uh, we start grace groups in September every year, and you're going to need to get signed up. So uh, if you're not already in a grace group, this is for you. A grace group is basically a small to medium-sized group of people, anywhere from, say, 8 to 20 people, who is committed to gathering together on a regular basis, praying for one another, learning together, um, growing in Christ together, and doing life together. Grace groups are the best way I know of to grow arm in arm with the rest of the body of Christ. So if you're already in a grace group that you want to stay in and nothing needs to change, you don't have to fill this out. But if you need to change groups or if you're not in a group we are going to come to your house and beat on the windows of your house <laughs> until you sign up for a group because after you have done that, you will thank us because grace groups have been life-changing for everybody I know that's been involved in them. So we want to encourage you to get involved in grace groups. The sign-up sheets are in your bulletins. Um, and, and one last thing about grace groups you may be thinking, man, I have a lot of relationships. Like, I'm really busy. I don't need to be in a group. Number one, you're wrong. 
you do need to be in a group. Something else might need to go from your life. Number two, there's a group that needs you in it, okay? It's a give and take thing. There are people who need your wisdom, your prayers, your love, your support, your friendship. So I want to encourage you, if you're somebody who has just put this off for various reasons, don't. All of our ministries are relationship-based. Children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, you name it, they're all relationship-based. So we encourage you to get involved wherever you fit best. But this fall, we're launching a whole new ministry that we have never had before at Grace Fellowship. And I've been dying to tell you about it. It is called Grace Seniors. Finally, we're going to have a senior citizen-focused ministry. Now listen, churches are either old people churches (laughs) or young people churches, right? Isn't that true? Most churches, right? There, There are the kinds of churches that appeal to older folks and they have older stuff to do. Um, and there are people that appeal, there are churches that appeal to younger folks and older people show up on the first day and don't usually last through the whole music set, right? Before they leave. Um, and, it, and, and it's a shame because it seems like some, somebody got a hold of a bunch of seminary students and said, hey, the best way to plant churches is just aim at one generation. To which I say, read your stinking Bible. These people were of all ages and they had everything in common. If this is possible, you guys, and you know what? I started thinking about this. This is no thanks to any of the leaders of this church. This is just a Holy Spirit thing. But in the last couple years, our church has been growing primarily in two areas. One, young adults, and the other, senior citizens. There is no way to explain that apart from God. And what a lot of churches do is essentially ignore seniors because they're on their way out. (laughs) And every pastor I know is saying, we got to find a way to get younger. We got to find a way to too much gray hair. We got to get younger. I'm like, hair of any color is fine with me, but. (laughs) And, And here's what I'm saying. For several years, the Lord's been impressing this upon my heart, and it's taken this long for us to get this organized. But I am convinced that the needs of seniors are every bit as important to the heart of God as the needs of children, the needs of teenagers, the needs of young families. And the needs of seniors are often um, specific to seniors. And so a lot of the times when we're aiming at younger folks, we're missing meeting the needs of folks who are older. Now, I was going to say... Raise your hand if you're a senior citizen, but then I thought you wouldn't hear me anyways. And then... <laughs> Gee! Wow! Sorry, I needed time for a drink. That's why I did that. Um, <laughs> so let, instead of doing that, just I'll tell you what, look around and just start pointing at an old person. No, don't do that either. Don't do that. Let me instead (laughs) tell you about some research I did. We have a church database, and I just punched into that database because it has our birthdays in there, and I just punched into that database, uh, people 65 plus, and it spit out 48 names to me. That's cool. What's even cooler is when I changed it to 60 plus, it went to 75. So there's a lot of people in our church who are above the age of 60. Now, I know if you're 60, 61, 62, you're like, I am not a senior. (laughs) Okay, say what you want, but they will check your ID at the young adult group, so don't try. Um, So anyway, my point is this. Uh, 
there's a group of people that God has been working in the hearts of that are going to be a leadership team for this ministry, and it is going to get launched this fall, and we are going to be addressing the needs of seniors. So you're going to be hearing more about this and getting more uh, information about this, and I believe God is going to do some amazing things in a multi-generational church, and one of our goals is that older people will be impacting younger people, and that younger people will be impacting older people. And here's the best news. This ministry is going to be led by Ed and Vicki Baldwin. <laughs> I don't know why you're clapping, baby. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Ed and Vicki Baldwin have a heart for this and have for a long time. And they're the two most compassionate people I know. And they are going to be doing an amazing job. So you're going to be hearing from them if you're interested, whether you're consider yourself a senior citizen or maybe you're a teenager or somewhere in between. But if you're a young person and you would like to help or whatever, talk to Ed and Vicki. You're going to be hearing more about senior ministry, Grace Seniors coming up. Um, now, you may be thinking, how can Ed and Vicki lead the senior ministry when they lead the children's ministry. Well, here's the thing. They skipped multiple grades. <laughs> we moved them straight up. They went past youth ministry, young adults, and they're now in senior ministry. And we have a new director for our children's ministry, and that is Marari Pasquale. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and where is Marari? Marari, can you stand up if you don't know who Marari is? Uh, we've been working with Marari, training her for this. She is a child uh, care professional. This is what she does for a living. Uh, she's highly qualified. She has an amazing heart for this, and she has vision for ways that children's lives can be uh, transformed at Grace Fellowship. So you're going to be hearing more about what's going to be happening in children's ministry. If you want to get involved in that, see Marari. She's going to be able to help you with that. It's official. As of right now, she has the hat. She is the children's ministry director. Um, another area where we're constantly trying to improve is our uh, Sunday morning experience. When you come on a Sunday morning for worship or uh, to participate in what's going on on Sunday mornings, especially if you are new around here, imagine this. You're, you're a visitor, you and your spouse and your three kids, and you've heard about this church and someone told you about it. You looked it up on the internet and you thought, hey, I want to check out this church. You drive into the parking lot and park. You don't know what to do. You don't know anybody, you don't know where to go, you don't have any idea what's going on, you don't know what's normal in this church, you're not sure if you're dressed right, you're not sure you know, what's supposed to happen. There's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with that. Um, and we have some specific things that we're going to be doing and implementing in order to make the process of becoming a part of Grace Fellowship easier and better. And I want to ask Pastor Ricky to come up and help us talk about that um, he's been sort of heading up some of this, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what we're going to be doing. You have a mic? All right. I do. So um, let's start off. By the way, let's hear for Pastor Ricky. We like Pastor Ricky. Um, tell us about this black tent thing that we have out front and why it's there and what it's, what's the purpose of this? Yeah, so if you've walked up to our church anytime in the last few months, you've noticed a black tent that says Grace Fellowship, and it says Welcome Home. And um, some of you have stopped by and filled out your Connect cards there, and that's been an awesome opportunity. Um, well, you know, at the beginning of the year, that was a planter, and we budgeted to fill that with cement and make it part of our, our porch, if you will. And... Um, we put this tent in, and our goal is this. We want to, in addition to our regularly scheduled greeters that we have out front to hand out bulletins and to welcome you as you walk in the door, for those people that are new, we want them to walk up to someone that is there just for them. And so we're going to be putting some people out front that um, when they see a new face, they can not only greet them, but bring them in and, and show them uh, what we're about. Just, just some simple, some of the stuff he was explaining. Give them some ideas about what to expect this morning. Take them around the campus and show them where the nursery is, where the children's room is, where the cry room is, 
um, the restrooms and the patio. And then if, if it's in between services, take them back to the patio and help them uh, meet some people and, and just get involved. It's, you know, I, Vanessa and I spent a little bit of time um, where we moved from, from different states and we spent about eight months in Colorado. And in that eight months, we did not find a home church and it wasn't for lack of trying. We literally visited probably 40 churches and I know that makes me sound really picky. And, um, but here's the deal, we, would, we hated wasting a Sunday. If, a, if we walked into a church and we're like, this isn't for us, it was one of the old churches we were talking about. <laughs> um, we would literally be like, it's 9.15, the one across the town starts at 10, let's, let's just go. And we would step out. But so many times we walked into a church and you just have this feeling of like, what are we doing here? Uh, I don't know if this is gonna be weird. Um, what do they believe here? And just all this stuff. And there's, if I could walk up to a church and you know, we were always greeted by someone with a bulletin and they'd say, come on in. And that was it. And we'd sit there and maybe someone would walk up and say hi and introduce themselves. But we, really didn't, get, we didn't really get any information that we needed. And so we really want to make it as easy as possible and as comfortable as possible for people who are visiting because we but we put we do everything we do here because we believe that God has a vision for this church and we're going to walk according to that vision and so we believe that the more people the better we want people to come to this church because we're we're preaching the gospel that's biblical we're preaching things that um, God has on his heart for for everybody and so as people come we just want them to feel comfortable and um, just know what to do so with that said, expect some people out there. If you have visitors and you bring them, stop. bring them by the welcome booth so they can get introduced to someone and um, just kind of get brought in and, and up to speed. And that'll be a place where you can get information, uh, printed information, that kind of stuff. It'll also be a place where after worship services, when we say, hey, sign up for this, you'll be able to go to the welcome tent. That's where you can sign up, get more information, get your questions answered, all that kind of stuff. What we're really doing is we, we're putting together a team or solidifying this vision that's been sort of evolving. Uh, we're calling the first impressions team. The idea is that when you come, there's a first impression. We want that first impression to be, I am welcome here, I am loved, this is a chance for me to meet and worship Jesus. So that's the idea. So we, we have an idea of what we're going to do. The first impressions team is basically the greeters, the people that are going to be in the welcome tent, the coffee bar, right? Did I miss somebody? So that's our sort of first place that people will meet people. So one of the things we've decided to do is um, we happen to know a guy who's a good graphic artist, and he can design t-shirts. So what we're going to do is put everyone who is on our first impressions team in a specific t-shirt on the Sunday that they're serving, so that when you walk up, you will know immediately oh, these are the people I can ask questions of. It'll be very easy to find. So if you're in the coffee bar, if you're a greeter, if you're in the welcome tent, you're going to be wearing on the days you're serving your T-shirt. Now, don't give me, I only like pink. <laughs> We're all going to be wearing the same shirts, okay? And only on the days you're working. The other thing we're going to be doing with that is uh, in our children's ministry. What are we doing with shirts for them? Um, same thing. They'll be a different color, but we're going to have shirts for them so that if you come with kids you and someone is with your kids, you know that they're supposed to be with your kids because they're wearing that shirt. Um, you know, one of the things that we did at VBS this year is we implemented a new sort of security system with check-ins and check-outs, and, and we're thinking about implementing that here for Sunday mornings. But here's, here's my point. The, the response we got from parents about how much we cared about the safety and security of their kids was overwhelming. And so this is one of the steps towards that. When, we, when, when you go to pick up your kids or when you drop them off, um, we want you to do that to someone that is in a shirt. You know that they're supposed to be there with your kids because they're wearing that shirt. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really the heart behind it. And with, with the shirts of, for greeters and all that, if you're a visit, it comes back to being um, making it easy for, for visitors and, and comfortable because if you need to know something, where's a restroom, you look for the guy in the, in the shirt and he'll tell you. And same with the kids. If you need to know... Anything about kids ministry, you look for the shirt. 
And, and seriously, uh, security on Sunday mornings at churches is becoming a bigger and bigger issue, sadly enough, right? Uh, and, and there's no place we want to be more secure than our children's ministry. So, you know, having children's workers in those shirts, don't be surprised if, if we don't know you and you're hanging out near the children's ministry and you're not in a shirt, that somebody's going to come and say, hi, can I help you find a seat somewhere else, right? Because we're trying to protect our kids. That's kind of what that's about. Now, here's the thing. That means that everyone who becomes a part of the First Impressions team or the children's ministry team in the future is going to get a shirt. Uh, those things cost a lot of money. And so uh, how are we going to pay for that? Well, Ricky, we're taking out of his salary. <laughs> what we're doing is today, as soon as Ricky gets done gabbing, today uh, we're going out for an amazing lunch, and it's free. You don't have to pay anything it is completely donation-based. So if you can't make a donation, don't, and don't feel bad. And come back for seconds, seriously. But if you can make a donation, that's what's gonna pay for all these shirts, because we don't wanna ask people to volunteer and buy a shirt, okay? So, uh, and not just these shirts, but a lot of these um, new things that we are announcing today, we haven't budgeted for. So today's lunch is gonna be about um, having fellowship and raising funds. So in all, all kidding aside, if you could give a dollar, give a dollar. If you could give $3,000, give $3,000. It it'll be a very expensive lunch, but you will have invested your money in the right place. So I want to encourage you to do that, okay? And we want to encourage you to, to actually come. Like if you plan on going home because you don't want to spend money on lunch, stick around, don't yeah. spend money. If you plan on going out to lunch and spending 150 bucks, give that to us. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to mention. Thanks for hanging in there. This is taking a little longer than a regular worship service, but we got a lot of cool stuff going on. And this next thing is really exciting to me. One more thing I want to mention is outreach. Um, we're always trying to get better at outreach. Let me define what I mean. Outreach is anything we do to touch the lives of people who are not a part of the Grace Fellowship family. So that it's a broad definition. So anything that we do outside the walls of this church, that could be personal evangelism, you sharing Christ with a neighbor, right? That could be a community service project where you're getting involved and helping out in some area or volunteering in the community. It could be uh, a social justice cause that you care deeply about and that maybe the whole church gets involved in. It could be anything like that. But if we're ministering to people who would not call themselves part of the Grace Fellowship family, that's outreach. Um, and I want to talk about two categories of outreach real quick. The first I'm calling local outreach. Local outreach is outreach to people who you can be in the same room with. So that's friendships, coworkers, neighbors, um, inviting people to events at Grace Fellowship. That's local outreach, personal evangelism, community service projects, things like that. That's local outreach. And then there's also long distance outreach. Um, and outreach that is long distance is reaching out to people who you can't be in the same room with. Um, people at a distance. We have a huge overseas missions focus in this church. We send many, many thousands of dollars every year to support missions all around the world. Many of us get on planes and we travel and we do ministry elsewhere. We do a lot of overseas missions. But what you may not think of as outreach is social media. If you have an Instagram account... That has been entrusted to you by God. <laughs> yeah, some of you are choking a little bit, aren't you? Your Facebook account has been entrusted to you by God. You're a steward of that. If you have a Twitter account, that's God's Twitter account. You might want to go back and read some of the stuff you tweet and ask yourself, has this really been God's Twitter account, okay? I'm not going to beat you up about that. Here's what I'm trying to say. Those are tools for outreach, 
there's a million ways you could be using those to reach out to people, not the least of which is letting people know that great things are happening at Grace Fellowship. Hey, we're doing this thing. Come bring your kids to VBS. Those are things you can do with social media. And we're adding a thing that you can use your social media for that I think is going to be world changing. As of today, it's actually happening right now and you don't know it. But you guys are being broadcast right now around the world because we're live streaming our services. So that started today. So we are now live streaming all of our services. And the good news is it's beginning to end. It's not just the sermons, right? So a lot of you are like, oh, those songs that the worship team did, I would love to hear them again. Great. You go home and watch it. Now, let me tell you what the live streaming is not for. It is not so you could be a lazy bum, lay in bed, <laughs> watch it on your laptop, and say you were a part of the body of Christ today, okay? That's not what it is. All ministry is about relationships, but there are times you can't be here. There are times you're sick or the car broke down or, you know, whatever the situation is, you can't be here. You can be a part of it live on the internet. It's super easy. And all of those things are available in perpetuity moving forward. You could just, you go, oh, six weeks ago, they were doing that sermon on this, and I wanted to share it with a friend. You could just go on, click, bring it, attach it to your social media, the link, and send it to your friend in an email, or you could put it on your Facebook account or whatever. If there are things happening that you want to share, you could do that. Now, Ricky is an expert in all things computer, and he's going to show you who are going, oh, I can never do this. Watch this. This is the easiest thing you'll ever try to do. Watch this. When you tried to explain how to send them on your social media right now, all the young people were like, <laughs> See, because I got it wrong. Yeah, wife. shut up. <laughs> so here's the deal. If you go on our website, gracetority.com, um, there is a link in the top right-hand corner. It says watch live. You click on that link, and it will take you to this page. And you click that button right there, and it will launch the service. Um, and that is to watch it live. So again, if you can't be here on a Sunday or if you um, if you have to rest after surgery or whatever it is that you have to be home, um, you can now join us. And then on that first page as well where you click watch live, if you scroll down, that's where all the services are archived and you can scroll through the dates and watch um, all the services start to end. And they're all through YouTube, so all you have to do is, um, you know, uh, share them through social media or whatever and An Another thing out. you could do is these are being streamed through YouTube, and so if you have a YouTube account, you can subscribe to our channel, and uh, you'll be notified when we go live, and so it's e a little bit easier that way rather than going through the website. Cool. Um, I've taken too long, so let me wrap up. Nobody needs to say to us that the world is in many ways getting darker, okay? And all you have to do is pick up your Bible, and you will see that that's what God says is going to happen. It talks about in the last days, the way people will be, the way values will change, the way societal norms will change. And we see it happening. And we've been seeing it happen in our lifetimes, right? There's two approaches we can take to this. We can sit back with our arms crossed, shaking our heads at that stupid world of unbelievers out there. Or... We could actually take seriously what Jesus said when he said, you are the light of the world. If the world is dark and we are the light, we're to blame. It's as simple as that. And so God is calling us to be filled with his spirit and willing to actually engage in his mission. And for you, that might just be making a friend at work. It might be helping out someone who you know is financially in trouble. It might be praying for someone who is broken and, and needs to be touched by God. There's a million different ways for you to get involved in changing. But if this world keeps getting darker and the light doesn't shine, it will not be because God did not give his vision to Grace Fellowship. It will be because we refused to follow it. So this is a mandate to us. This is a charge to us. We're supposed to be about loving God, loving people, and changing the world. 
And I promise you, if you will love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, if you will love your neighbor as yourself, and if you will take God's great commission seriously, the world will be changed through you. That's what God's trying to do. And I don't have the least bit of concern because I know you guys. And I have watched you. And I have seen what you do when you, God puts something on your heart and the way you will sacrifice and the way you will give and the way you will care for people and the way you will move outside of your comfort zone in order to touch people's lives. Guys, we need to keep that up and multiply it because God's called us to make disciples of all nations. So uh, that's our vision. That's at least a glimpse of some of the things that are new about our vision. So what do you think? Are you with us on this? Okay, let's then, let's just pray a prayer of dedicating ourselves to the vision that God has given us, okay? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you today that uh, you care so, so much about individual human beings, that you care about hurting people. You care about people who are comfortable. You care about the rich and the poor. You care about the young and the old. You care so much that you went to every conceivable length in order to set people free from their bondage and give them new life. And you have done that for so many of us in this room, and we pray, God, that you would do it through us. God, we do see the darkness, and we don't want to curse the darkness. We want to chase it away with your light. Help us, God, to be a part of that. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your heart for people. Help us to love people the way you love people. And Father, may this church be like a city set on a hill that when people see us, they would immediately be directed to you. And may you receive all of the glory, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.